This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome on into another edition of the IOPS podcast. That wind you hear in the background is Johnny Marks, who is calling uh, live from uh, what beach are you at, John? I'm not breaking wind. This is actual wind. I'm in, o- <laughs> I'm in Ocean City, New Jersey. Oh, nice dry town. That sounds exciting. Yeah, well, you know, I got I got kids, and you know, they they do have alcohol. You can buy outside of the uh, outside of Ocean City, which I we, which we do. So it's not dry in our house, but I do yeah, like no bars. I do like the, the the beach during the summer when the Phillies are good, because kind of like when you watch you walk across the beach, everyone has their radios on, tuned into the Phillies, and then it just I don't know. I love watching the Phillies at the beach for some reason. I do too. Growing up. Uh, I can picture this house that we used to rent um, almost every year, or at least a good like four or five years in a row. And it had this deck out back, but it had this long porch in the front. And for whatever reason, there's just this this image captured in my head of a radio with Harry and Whitey on and watching with my my grandfather. So that's when uh, when the Phillies won the World Series. That's kind of one of the things I thought about um, after Brad Lidge gets the gets to strike three and thought of my grandfather and the shore. And no, you're right, it is. It's uh, I remember the one year they were really good, and I didn't have a radio. Go probably going back ten years or so. I didn't have a radio, so I got the app on my phone, uh, the MLB uh, whatever at, at at that app or whatever, and I'm listening to it via iPhone on the beach. It's awesome. Yeah, it's just you feel a connection to the the team. You're kind of away from the city, but you're still a part of the city in a weird way. I've, I always enjoyed it. And uh, Wait, hold on. So wh- I thought Whitey and HK were on TV. Were they also on radio at the same time? Incorrect. They were. So Prism was the was where you got most of the games back, um, I guess, going up until Comcast Sportsnet took over. And Harry, maybe the tail end of Prism, Harry was not TV. Uh, I know he was mixed in. So Sports Channel had some of the broadcasts, and that was Kent DeColvey and Andy Musser. Harry didn't do that. Harry did radio for a lot of those years. Now, what you remember, Jack, is Comcast Sports, and Harry did all the TV. But Jim Barniak did the play-by-play on Prism. So I, I don't remember the years, but most of the years with me growing up, unless it was on regular TV, Harry was on the radio with Whitey. Wow. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. And it's the same yeah. kind of thing like everyone revered Harry – and now it's like kind of the same thing because people like Fransky a lot. And then Fransky, we'll see if he can, uh, we can he can get into TV, but I don't know. He doesn't want to. No, nah. I've had many conversations with Scott. He wants to do radio. He doesn't like TV. Well, he's great at it, so I, I wouldn't want to leave either. Uh, no so the Phils, uh, a really kind of frustrating series against the Blue Jays. Uh, the offense is starting to become a big concern. Uh, obviously, you mix in a, another fantastic Nola day. I mean, 
He, it was six and one third, pretty much no hit ball. And then obviously his first hit was the only hit. And it also scored the tying run and Gabe had to pull him. But Aaron Nola, it's just like aces are going to ace at this point, And he can just roll out of bed seven innings, less than two runs and, and help you win a ball game. They, the, well, no doubt. And again, it's starting, if the starting pitching isn't where it is right now, this team's probably 10 games under 500 as opposed to however many games over 500 yeah. at this point. But, um, I agree with you. Nola has shown the consistency. Shown he's one, not, not just the best pitcher and one of the best pitchers on the team. One of the best pitchers in the National League. He's an all-star. As far as I'm concerned, he will make the team. Uh, combine that with Arietta and you have a one-two punch that, you know, forget about improving the pitching staff. You're one of the better pitching staffs, uh, top of pitching staffs in the National League. Uh, but, you know, when Nola has it going, when he has all of his pitches working, and, and I, I, we had, Ike and I had talked to him live in the Novacare broadcast booth uh, this past week. And he's just like, I'm like, well, we, you know, like, we, what do you feel like when all three pitch, all three of your pitchers are going? And he's like, well, that's, that very rarely happens. But, yeah, I, I got to give him a little bit more credit than that because when, when, I guess if they're not going, they sure look like they're going. Kid's special. You know, it's amazing. He's, he's just 25 years old and uh, hell of a draft pick by Ruben Amaro to, uh, to get him there in the, in the, what was he, top 10, Jack? Number was seven. Teens? Oh yeah, so he's top ten. Oh, he was a college pitcher. He was the he was the most major league ready pitcher, and that's why Ruben drafted him because he wanted him up. And hey, it's paid off. Great draft pick. Yeah, and just the the changeup continues to be a revelation for him. Uh, he can he, he multiple times in that start he'd be down on the count two one. He'd drop that changeup in there, and as a hitter, that just messes with your mind because if he can throw a two one changeup, then what's he going to throw me at two two? He's going to come back with a changeup. His curveball is yep. devastating, and his fastball's been up to ninety four ninety five. I mean, he he's going to get legit Cy Young consideration, and I don't want to get ahead of myself too fast, but. <laughs> Nola versus Kershaw on Thursday is one that uh, you might have to get the kids to bed early and uh, make sure you stay up and watch that game. Or I will just uh, go to sleep and then wake up and watch the last couple of innings like I probably will. Man, Jack, Jack that's, a, that's, that's tough, man. 10 o'clock, 10 Well, actually, start. actually, it's a 7.35 start. No. Yes. Oh, that's right. It's the 4 o'clock West Coast game. Yes. So it's 7. Oh, I'll be good, man. Oh, I'll, I'll be good. good. You're right, though, with, with Nola. Excuse me. He, it seems like they like like and and I, I gave the comparison to Maddox, Greg Maddox, and and he definitely was like that's oh, one of the guys I you know growing up that I like to like to to watch pitch and emulate. But when he pitches backwards, when he has control of the changeup, you're right. You're totally messing with the hitter's head because then for for if half of your brain is thinking he could drop the changeup, he's throwing a 93, 94 mile an hour fastball, 92, whatever it is, and bang, all it takes is that split second to 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 not pick it up out of the hand, and you're going down. It makes everything that he does so much better. So you can tell the the thinking part of the game with, with Aaron Nola is right there. And when you can command three pitches like that, and you can throw him for strikes at any point in the at-bat, that makes you dangerous, and that's what we're seeing from Nola right now. Yeah, and in this day and age, it's really nice to see a starter that can do all those things. Like, just from a pitching standpoint, it's just frustrating seeing so many guys who pretty much just throw 95, 96, and that's about it. Like, like with Zach Eflin's start on on Friday night, I guess it was, he was still sitting 94, 95. It just wasn't – his location wasn't there. But then he just, like, he mixes in a crappy curveball, and it's just like he doesn't really know how to pitch. It's always been the knock on Velasquez. Uh, I think Pavetta's taking a nice step forward and actually learning how to pitch. But that's the nice part about Aaron Nola just from a pure pitching standpoint. It's like it's watching a, a, a genius out there almost. Yeah, it's, it's like you're right. The the guys that throw 100 miles an hour, they never really have to learn how to pitch, some of them, because 
of just that reason. They can throw 100 miles an hour. They feel like they can get people out just by blowing it back. They never learn how to pitch. Aranola is right there in the middle of, of almost mastering that skill. Cole Hamels knew how to pitch. He, he was tap, topping off at 94-95 with a changeup. He really only had two pitches. He, he developed that third kind of crap curveball that he just threw up there just to show that he had something else to throw. But he was able to command and locate his fastball and then drop the changeup, which was his best pitch. He did it with two pitches. So if he can do it with two pitches, I, I said this on the air, and, and Ike kind of uh, raised an eyebrow at me. Aaron Ola's got better stuff than Cole Hamels. He's, oh, got, yeah. better pure stu- he's got better pure stuff. No doubt. That doesn't mean he's, he's the better pitcher right now, but he's doing, he's doing something this year. Cole Hamels never had a, never had a year like this, not, not if he continues it for the whole year. So I'm not trying to take anything away from a guy that won, and, and, you know, won a World Series and NLCS MVP. But Aaron Ola's stuff is great right now, and he really knows how to use it. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Nola, to me, like, looks like a poor man's Pedro almost. But just from the, the, the two-seam fastball movement, it's 94-96, it's not 98 like Pedro's was. The curveball is just like Pedro's, not as sharp as Pedro's. And the changeup, I mean, cur- people don't talk about Pedro had the best changeup in the league, too. And I, th- I feel like Nola's, all three of those pitches are, like, a tier below Pedro. But even being put in that category is, is absurd. No, you're right. Same kind of stuff, same kind of movement. You know, Pedro used to he had those those type of those fingers where he could literally take his fingers and bend them all the way back to his hand. Yep. To the back of his hand. It was weird, but that's it. He was able to get such good good movement from his pitches because he was able to snap it. And I know the one of the grips he had on his changeup, he would almost put his hand, his one finger like all the way back. It was it was creepy. But I mean, you're right. You're saying that he's got the same kind of size as Pedro. Pedro wasn't a big dude, and you're looking at the same movement. Now can he really kind of take that next step? And because league's going to adjust to him, uh, league's going to adjust to what he's doing right now a, a little bit, and um, and we'll see what happens the next time around the league, which we're already seeing the NL East. But it's going to be an interesting road trip to see what these guys do. But um, you know, Nola so far, thank God, because he's really helped helping save the season. Yeah, and the, the group, the part of the team that's not helping save the season is the offense. I mean, I mean, they oh have, boy. they have. A Dubal Herrera who's batting, you know, three forty, great. Uh, but other than that, their their next highest hitter is like two sixty. Uh, in, in Cesar Hernandez and everything. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Santana yeah. just got above two hundred. Uh, Reese Hoskins is in a horrible slump. Uh, Scott Kingery looks like he's starting to break out just a little bit. Uh, yeah. he, he's hit some balls hard recently. Um, but other than that, it, and Franco's having a, a, a nice little bounce back year, but still, you can't trust him yet. The lineup is just. I did not expect the lineup struggling as much as it is. Yeah, and, and I, I would think that means it's going to be a big July because the bats will wake up at some point. I, just to be, and, and I've touched on this a couple times. I hate what he does with Hoskins putting him at two, Gabe Kapler. I hate it. I want, I want him down in the lineup, I, I bat him fifth or sixth. It, it, he, he's not showing great flexibility in what he's doing with the lineup. He's, he's just not. I, I don't like it. He's moved Kingery down a little bit. I don't know if Kingery has earned at bats. So far, Altair's shown, shown pretty good power. He, he can't hit consistently. Nick Williams is a good hitter. He's not getting a lot of at-bats. He's, he's great at hitting, hitting home runs. Uh, Santana, you know, Santana, even though he's just hitting over 200, the on-base percentage and the fact that he has been hitting for power, I almost don't even pay attention. He seems, he's been productive enough for me. But they're all doing it at the same time. And Hoskins, who, following his minor league career, he's, he'll be really hot. You'll see the average go up to 320. And then you blink, and in two weeks he'll be batting 280. Well, the problem is that he hasn't 
gone from 280 back up to 300. He's went all the way down into the 230s. So uh, it, it's it's time to start picking it up. And he's pressing. He's trying to do too much. He's taking too many pitches. At this point, I would move him. I would move him back in the lineup, and I would try to get him to get him on some fastballs. First pitch swinging. He's taking too many. He's taking too many pitches. He is. He's taking too many first ball strikes. Swing earlier in the count. Try to get some hits. Try to get some hits. I, I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, and you know they're all about the the analytics and all that and all the numbers. And it's just it's mind blowing because he's a career one forty hitter out of the two hole. There's not even good analytics backing him up playing in the two hole. So I'm with you. Move him down the lineup. You can put someone else in the two hole. Put Santana back there. He's heated up a little bit. I think it's important to have a guy that can drive and runs at the two hole. It's just that when Hoskins is struggling as much as he is, it doesn't make sense to keep throwing him out there and hoping that he figures it out. Especially given his whole entire career, he's in the one forties. Yeah, no, it, you, you're right. And if you're not swinging at the, I, I remember 19. Oh man, I don't know if it was 91 or 89. Darren Dalton started off really, really cold, and Jim Fergosi put him. Probably had to be 91. Jim Fergosi put him in the two hole because Lenny was leading off. Lenny was getting on base. When Lenny would get on base, like he was, you would have that big hole in the right side. Dutch being a left-handed hitter, plus he saw a lot of fastballs because pitchers were worried about Lenny stealing. So what did it do? He went on a monster tear, and it really just turned around a season. He didn't bat second the entire season. They kind of, when when the, the newness of that ran wore off, they they moved him back a little bit in the lineup. But do something with Hoskins. Let get, have him swinging earlier in the count. Move him back to fifth or sixth. I don't really care what you do. Put Kingery at second and tell him, listen, just swing at swing at first pitches. You're seeing a lot of fastballs early in the count. Swing. You're not not a high walk guy anyway. Well, you followed you followed Kingery's minor leagues pretty closely. He never seemed like a guy that was trying to work pitchers, and he seemed like a guy that would just jump on first pitches early in counts and uh, be aggressive. Yeah, not a great. I won't say he had a great approach at the plate because he didn't. He not a high walk guy, pretty high strikeout guy, but he was following through with some power. But I, I think you're taking away with what he does. He's not the he's not the guy that has the approach to come up and see six or seven pitches in at the bat. He wants to see ball hit ball. It's okay to have guys like that in the lineup. Yep. Uh, if you have you, if you have other guys that are pacing and, see, and have eye on base percentage, that's not going to be his game. And I feel like that they're trying to make him that game, make that a big bigger part of his game. Let him get up there and swing the bat. He's thinking too much right now, Kingery. He's got he's got the skill. He's got the bat. We know what he can do. He's just got to do it. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think the, this is where the analytics maybe are coming in, and some of these young players hurting them. Well, yeah, because you you have to treat players differently. Like if you know that if you know Scott Kingery thrives early in counts, being aggressive and just trying to hit, you have to let him do that and not just completely change what makes him comfortable and get him out of his comfort zone. Because then you see this month stretch where it's he's not you can't even play Scott Kingery. Um, yep. and, with, and with Hoskins, I mean, recently he has been swinging more and more in first pitches, and he did hit some balls hard uh, at the beginning of the Jays series. I didn't see much of the game yesterday, but he, he's hit some balls to the wall. It seems like he's starting to break out of it just a little, little bit, and I think that has directly coincided with beginning to swing earlier in counts. I agree with you. Like, not everyone has the same approach as, as Carlos Santana that he can get down to 1-2, uh, 0-2, oh, and fight back and make it a three-two counter. Cesar Hernandez. You kind of got to let players be in their comfort zone, and it's it's one of my concerns with 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 Kapler and the and the approach from John Maley so far. Yeah, and and what you see with Santana and, and being a veteran player, you're right. He's perfectly fine with being o two one two in account in account. Bobby Abreu was the same way. He would literally come up. He would just look. He would. He knew they were going to be right down the middle. He didn't care because his approach to the plate was foul a couple back, 
take a ball, foul one back, take another ball. It, not toying with the pitcher, but really he knew what the pitcher was trying to do. And Santana, while he doesn't have the average, perfectly comfortable, sees a lot of pitches. It works for him. Um, something's going on with Hoskins right now. I think he is close to breaking out of it. Uh, but, man, it's, it's tough to watch right now. And, and the, they need him. If this offense was, was doing anything right now, they'd be 15 games over 500. Well, and he's another leg kick guy. So leg kick guys naturally have more uh, ebbs and flows to their season. I, I, you see the same kind of thing with Aaron Altair. Like once their yep. once their leg kick is kind of out of rhythm, then they get out of rhythm as well. And once they start feeling it better with the, the leg kick, it's weird. It's just something that happens with leg kick hit, hitters, and that's why you see Hoskins. While the power obviously jumped up in the minor leagues, it's also why you saw the the swoons uh, during his his season. And you're seeing it now. Well, yeah, and and the other thing is, I, I think a lot of people last year were um, were expecting a 40 home run guy, and if you followed him, he's a he he's going to be a fine baseball player and, and a fine hitter. But he's not it's not a, he's not a plus plus power guy. He, he might go 25 to 30 in a season, maybe he goes over 30 if he's really really having a good season. But for the most part, he's just he least up until this recent <laughs> this recent slump, he's just a complete hitter that helps your overall lineup, and it. He should be getting a lot, a, a lot of RBIs. Um, just remember, it's only it's not even the, the end of May right now. You still have a good four months left in the season. I think as the weather gets warmer and it gets hotter, and these guys work out the issues in their head, uh, see ball, hit ball. I think that they're uh, they're going to break it out. And Charlie's called that hitting season, which uh, hopefully hitting they, season. Yeah, hitting season. When you were when you were following Kingery's minor leagues. Was there ever any reports about him not seeing curveballs well out of the hand? Well, um, being that he only played at Triple A, I'm gonna say minimal amount of games, but he didn't he didn't play a, you know more than one season at Triple A. Um, you know what you're dealing with is you're dealing with a, dealing with a lot of guys that have been major leaguers that don't have fastballs that throw a lot of junk. When he's in when he's in Double A playing in Reading, and that's notoriously a hitter's park. You're getting you're getting the prospects that are throwing 95, 96, but don't have the experience. And and Kingery is a good fastball hitter. Right now, you're right. People are getting him out. They're saying like, well, we're not going to give you a fastball. We're going to give you a slop. And he's struggling with it right now. I think a lot of it just is the the recognition of what's going on. He's he's swimming in his head right now. To where he, here's what I would say. And and, and Larry Anderson said this uh, to us this past week. He said, you know, go up there with a plan at the plate. Go up there with, with, with the you know, first pitch of the at-bat and go up and say, okay, if it's going to be in this zone and it's a fastball, I'm going to swing. But I'm not swinging outside. I'm not swinging inside just in the zone. Or go up there and say, they've been throwing me a lot of first pitch curveballs. I'm going to wait for a hanger. And if I see a hanger, I'm going to look for it. If it's a fastball, I'm going to take it. But look for something. He doesn't seem like he's recognizing the pitches very well right now, and um, you know, and, and that's a problem. He's a rookie. He's not a young rookie, but he's a rookie, and um, it, it, it's tough to tell at AAA because you're dealing with guys that, that aren't major league pitchers. Big difference between major league pitching and, and minor league pitching. I think you're seeing it. Yeah, I just I, I think he struggles seeing curveball out of the hands because more. I've just been surprised by the amount of swings and misses he's taken at balls that are clearly out of the zone, out of hand. Now, fastballs, he's right on. He hits nice, hard contact, line drives, home runs. It's just that the curveball, 
he I just don't think he recognizes out of the hand. It's weird. I'm, I'm, I want to monitor that one closely. What he has been doing recently, and something that I think is one of the best parts about baseball, and what I wish we could kind of come back to, he's been bunting a lot to get on base. And I think it's I think it's interesting. Maybe that helps him get out of the slump. But I mean, he's such a he's such a weapon uh, on the base paths, and bunting could be a way for him to get out of this little slump. Uh, anything he can do, uh, and, and that's why maybe putting him up at two, I'd have no problem with him hitting second. Just here's what you need to do. He needs to get on base because he has, even though he, he'll never be a, a, a high, high skill guy because, A, guys don't do it anymore, but, B, you really have to have an, make an effort to steal bases. Cesar Hernandez, if he wanted to steal 25 bases a year, he could. He just doesn't do it. you know. So Kingery just being on base can create havoc on the base path. And one of the ways he's trying to do it is is by bunting. So I'm all for it. And you're right. He's an excellent bunter. And um, and I, I say keep it up. But if he's hitting sixth or seventh hole, it's tougher. Because you know, then you're just kind of getting wasted on the on the back end. Yep. Um, so the Phils are heading out to L.A. Uh, they're going to face the Dodgers, which it's always fun watching the Phils in, in L.A. Just because, you know, Dodger Stadium is beautiful, especially under yeah. the lights. Uh, and it just brings you back to the 08, 09 uh, series where it's just, dog fights every single year and uh that pouncing on some kid named clayton kershaw who probably doesn't even figure out to be a good pitcher down the road uh, but the phils are heading out to la uh big series they're starting to get hot a little bit they're, they're, they're turning it around with justin turner back in their lineup uh we have tonight vince velasquez versus brock stewart uh an important velasquez start he had he had a, a shaky last start but he didn't really implode like we've seen Vince Velasquez uh, in recent starts. Big Velasquez start. What have you seen from Velasquez recently? Are you uh, are you on the boat towards Velasquez Island, or are you still in a holding pattern? Um, oh, wow. He, uh, again, being down at the stadium for a lot of the home games, he stopped by for uh, to promote a uh, an auction item that he had. He's a big golfer, Vince Velasquez. That's yeah. like one of yep. his passions is golf. Um, you know, pretty cool. But, uh, you know, he's 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 got the stuff, but when does he strike guys out? Let's let's go back to the last start. He, he again he, he didn't put up a lot of innings. He put up he put up big fat big uh, big strikeout numbers. He's blowing the bottom of the order away with fastballs, and he's getting strikeouts on the pitcher on the eight hole hitter or whatever. I, I I'm not going to tell you that that put him in the bullpen and he's a bullpen guy, but you know it's great. Go five innings and and get nine strikeouts and, and give up four runs. Well, okay, great. You know, now you got to get four innings out of the bullpen. It's better than, than having three innings and, and giving up seven runs, but uh, the mental part of the game is coming along slower for, for Vince than it is for, I think, some of the other guys. He really gets himself worked up on the mound. You can almost sense the moment every game where it's kind of like, uh-oh. He's figuring a way out of it. He's figuring how to get out of it. He's figuring how not to get in those positions. But you're right. Now, going out west, I uh, yeah facing a good Dodgers team and a good Dodgers lineup, do I expect him to come out in seven innings and three hits and one run? Not really, but I'm curious to see what he can do, uh, Velasquez. This is, a, this is a big road trip for the whole team. This could be one of these things where it's bonding time. You get away from the family, you get away from, from everybody. You go San Fran, Los Angeles, and then Chicago, three great cities. Maybe you go out a little bit, a couple extra dinners with all the guys. So this could really be a huge part of the season for everybody. Just kind of bonding and getting away. Yeah, and tonight would be a, tonight would be a really good uh, statement start for Vince Velasquez and get things rolling back with him and kind of set the statement for this entire road trip. 
Uh, they had a, a tough series against the Blue Jays coming off of the Braves series, which I wonder if there's a little bit of a hangover there. You're right. Get away from the get away from the city. Go out and make a statement against this Dodgers team who is starting to figure it out a little bit, but still aren't up to their usual Dodgers standards. Then we have Jake Arrieta versus Kenta Maeda. Maeda is is having a really, really strong bounce back season for uh, the Dodgers. This is going to be a, a really fun matchup. John, he is a, he is a 3-3-8 ERA, but a 2.6 FIP. I tell you what, that's pretty good. Yeah, this whole FIP thing. John, uh, you, you got were, it. You, you got were texting it. me. You were texting me about the fifth on somebody. Jay Happ. Yes. You know, Tell everybody what the fifth is. Basically, the the best way that I can say what fifth is is it's a, it's a it's a good way to measure regression. So if you're, it, it's basically the best way to tell whether a guy's like when a guy's pitching to a three ERA, but you know it's not actually that good, and it's right. usually like he's, his ERA should be like four. His fifth is usually four. So like. It's so a like, truer indicator of an e, of an ERA, what it should be. Right. So Arietta has like a three something ERA, but you're worried because his FIP is in the fours, so you're worried about regression. Uh, it's a good yeah, way. Yeah. Well, Arietta gave up some hits, wiggled out of some jams. So you're right. It, it, to where I bet Nola's FIP is lower than his ERA. Well, probably maybe it's right at his ERA. Damn. I'll look it up for a second, but um, yeah, important important Arietta start. He had a, a really nice bounce back start last week against the Braves. It was a big statement. Like it was, it was, it was a Wednesday game to take a series against the Braves. And, and Jake yeah. Arrieta went out there, and that's what you're paying him seventy five million dollars to do is to win a game like that. Yep. Yeah, and, and he and you can tell it, that he's a guy that's been around. It's been in a lot of good, good games. We were just talking about it this past week. It, it, uh, with the Eagles winning everything and the Sixers being uh, being in an exciting season. The Phillies signed a former Cy Young Award winner that also is was a, was a World Series winner, and it was wasn't really talked about. And you know, we high hopes talked about it, and you know, there's some chatter on the radio airways or whatever. But there wasn't a uh, when they signed them. Oh, you know, here's the phone number at WIP, and there's every line's lit. Oh, Arietta, Arietta, under the radar. You're talking about a guy that that. He's not Doc. He's not Roy Halladay. I'm not expecting people to, to act like that. But I feel like we really, really flew under the radar a lot like this team. He is a he's a professional um, he's a professional number one starter, and uh, I'm glad the Phillies were able to get him on a three year contract. He's going to be a huge help to this to this team to this young staff, and I think you're seeing the direct results right now. Jack, I, I talked to him down in in Clearwater, and um, he he wanted to talk more about the pitchers on the staff that he was just getting to know than even himself. He, he knows what he is, but he's talking, he's a man, Nola's stuff is great, and Velasquez might have the best stuff of any of us. So he's a veteran presence on top of being a guy, like you said. It, it, big series against the, 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 a team that, that's a, a couple games, a game and a half up on you or whatever it is, and he went out there and he, and he showed, like you said, showed why you got him. Yeah, and these guys... They definitely look up to him. I mean, all these guys talk about how great Arietta has been. His presence in the locker room might even be more important than his presence on the field. It was just nice that in a in the biggest start in Phillies in for the Phillies in like six years, I would say, uh, he went out there and he he showed that he could still get it done in big moments. Arietta, whether he has a struggling start, whatever, I trust him in a big game more than I trust most pitchers. Uh, he's shown, he's proven that he's a, a big game pitcher for his time in the Cubs. In the World Series, I mean, in 2016, he didn't have a great year at all. I mean, it wasn't like his 2015 year nah. where he had a .77 ERA in the second half. Uh, in 2016, he, he 
he had a, a fine year. It wasn't a great year, but guess what? In the World Series, he went out there and shoved and was one of the main reasons why they won. He's just he's a big yep. game guy. I trust him. Uh, and another important statement start against the Dodgers uh, Tuesday night at 10-10. And then we have Eflin versus Ross Stripling. I mean, whatever. Eflin, I was, I was pretty disappointed in his start against the, the Blue Jays. He was not spotting that fastball on both sides of the plate. I mean, the one reason why... I was more into Eflin than I have been in years past was because it looked like he was spotting it to both sides of the plate, which just unleashes so much more from a pitching standpoint. Um, but he, he didn't do that at all. And when he got up behind and things started to unravel, he just kept throwing fastball after fastball after fastball, and they were getting he was they were hitting piss rods off of him. So um, <laughs> it was a really, really disappointing uh, uh, start against the Blue Jays, but obviously hopefully he can get him back against the Dodgers, is, but we'll see. Is, is Eflin Pavetta of last year? where Pavetta showed you, he flashed you, and it was going into June, I think, where I remember he had a couple starts in a row where you're like, damn, look at his stuff, and he was really producing, and then it kind of went downhill from there, and it snowballed. Maybe Eflin is Pavetta of last year. He shows you the flash of the talent and the stuff that he has, but it's going to take, uh, it's going to take some time to, to get it all together. Remember, we look at these pitchers, and we think we think that they should be um, finished products when they're 24, 25 yep. years old to where, you know, it, it, it does take some time to develop. So I yeah. think we're seeing the development of F1 right now. I would say the one difference between him and Pavetta is that uh, Pavetta's off-speed was always disgusting. It was just whether yeah. or not he could locate it and whatnot. Eflin's slider, I think, is tough to square up because it moves on a 3-9 um, a to nine kind of basis. Uh, so I just think it's naturally hard to to, to square up from a hitter standpoint. Uh, but Pavetta probably had better stuff. But yeah, there's there could be something there. It's 95, 96, and what he showed the first, his previous three starts was he was able to locate it on both sides of the plate. So I'm not completely out, but uh, it was just a disappointing game against the Blue Jays. Uh, and then, boy, the rubber match Thursday at 7:35, Nola versus Kershaw. You don't get these kind of matchups very often where it's two aces, two guys that have proven they can go deep in games. It's a legit starting pitching matchup that you can get excited for, and uh, Thursday can't come soon enough. Yeah, it's not that it's a measuring stick game for Aaron Nola, but let's face it, it is. It's a measuring stick to see what he can do on a stage like that against Clayton Kershaw, against the Dodgers. Um, the Dodgers at some point are going to break out, and you just hope the offense, and you just hope that it's not going to, because there's going to be a series that it happens, and you just hope that it's not this series against Velasquez or against um, against Eflin. But I think I think the matchup's good for Nola being the final game of the series. Um, depending on what happens before that, he should be pumped up. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But it's going to be a uh, it, it, it's it, it's definitely circled on my calendar. Where I'll, I'll be up for this one. This will be the one, the one night that I stay up extra late. Huh. And it was, it was the Dodgers series last year that kind of sunk the Phillies. So you hope it doesn't happen again this year. I mean, last year it was the Naris game where he, yeah. he what was it, back to back to back to to completely crush any momentum. And then after that series, when they went into that May where they <laughs> they won like mm-hmm. five games. Um, mm-hmm. So you just hope that that doesn't happen again. Uh, but the one perk of this is it's late night fills. I know, I know. You can't do it, but for us young, strapping young men out there, we can mm-hmm. we can stay up late for these Phillies West Coast trips. I I always look forward to it. I love watching late night Phillies because it's at that point is when you're staying up with all the real fans because you know the frauds are already in bed. Yeah, I, my first bathroom trip, I'll be checking in. It'll probably be the fifth. It'll probably be the fifth inning. 
my first bathroom trip. So I'll, I'll be watching. I'll flip it on. I'll flip it on. I, I, I'll just be honest. I won't. I won't lie like a lot of people out there. A lot of talk show hosts. A lot of podcast people are like, "Oh yeah, I stayed up for it." No, you're not. I will be asleep by the time the game starts, most likely, or right when it starts, and, and I, I'll, I'll be up. I'll be up watching it later. But yeah, man, the the West Coast games are tough these days. Yeah, they tough, are tough, tough. tough. Uh, before we get out of here, we have to talk about. Sixto Sanchez getting back on track this week. I don't know. Yes, did, sir. Did you see it? Did you see the stat line or the, or the uh, box I score? I did. I Six. did. Yeah, he finally he finally reached double digit strikeouts. Uh, the the velocity's coming back on the fastball, and the um, and the reports that I read on the game were that uh, his off speed stuff's really coming around too. So he's got the ERA down, getting down towards three, and um, and yeah, not that you're worried. You're worried about him being a good prospect, but when you're talking about a 19-year-old that throws 100 miles an hour, there's a lot of things that can happen between high eight ball and the major leagues. But he's right back on track, and uh, yeah, kid's looking good. Kid looking good. We'll see. We'll see what he does from here. He struck but, out. He struck out 10 on 78 pitches. Like that yep, is that innings. is that is yep. efficient. So uh, Sixto. I mean, basically, Matt Gelb came out of the Athletic and wrote an article on Sixto last week. And he was just like, everyone in the Phillies are basically saying that he was just messing around his first couple starts, just getting back into the swing of things. He missed all spring training with an illness, uh, and now he's kind of uh, rounding back into form. I mean, the guy is just insane. I, I can't wait till he gets up here. Well, and, and, and the Phillies wisely, by the way, took the, took the, took the foot off the gas and said, no, nope, nope, you're going you're to wait, and held him back. So this is really right now is almost like he's starting the regular season. That the, the the first however many starts of the season were his yeah, his spring training. He was doing extending spring training and he was throwing a little bit, but um, no worries with Sixto Sanchez. He's looking great now. Some of their other top prospects or high draft picks, at least, not so much. Well, listen, don't 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 say that. Adam Hazley is getting hot. He I think, uh, I think he's batting like three thirty eight in his last yeah. last week, last two weeks. Yeah, he's been hitting. M- Moniac stole a singles machine, batting yes. around two forty. Uh, Cornelius Randolph is not a major league player. He no. can't even hit um, 200 in Double A. Maybe makes the majors at some point. Um, yeah, with, with prospects when they make their when they make jumps from different leagues, and you're seeing Hazley, who was supposed to be more of a a major league ready player coming out of college, playing in the same level as as Moniac. Well, at least Moniac's 19, 20 years old. Hazley, you know, he play, played three years in college. So yeah. you're right. He, he's playing, but he's he's better. He's getting better. He's he's heating up a little bit, but time's ticking. I think I think Sixto is going to be on the team next year, uh, in like in uh, for a play a rod for no for like a pennant run, like a like a nice little September call up, August call up, and just put him in the bullpen, and then the year after put him in the, in the rotation. I think he's going to be here next year. I really do. Well, with them moving Sir Anthony uh, to the bullpen, you would think that they're going to want to stick with with Sixto in the rotation. But you're right; they could conceivably bring him up and say, "Hey, give me two, three innings at a time, and uh, you know, throw that fastball." So wow. hey, we'll we'll see. We'll see what he does this year. Hopefully, next year he's starting the year at Double A Reading. Sir Anthony was at, it was at Reading for eight games. He went to Lehigh Valley for three games. Just this year, he never pitched. He never pitched above A ball. I know. Anthony Dominguez before this year. He's eleven. He's eleven appearances above high A ball, and he is dominating uh, in the major leagues right now. And Gabe Kapler's using him very well. I like how he's using him. Well, he's using him in the correct role. He's not. He's not putting him in the closer role. He's coming yeah. in. He's being the fireman, and he's he's getting the most important outs of a ball game. And uh, honestly, I just 
sometimes it's great just to tune in and just to see him. Like the like my two main reasons to tune in to watch the Phillies right now is the chance of seeing Sir Anthony and the chance of seeing Alfaro throw out a guy. Oh my God, he's he's Alfaro's amazing. I love he's him. amazing. He's like a he's like a big pudge, a monster pudge to do. And you know what? You can tell at the plate, he, he he's got a pretty good approach. He he really has bounced back. Early in the season, there were there were a lot of people being like, "Uh oh, he looks close to the plate." Well, he calmed down, and you see the raw power. But he has a chance to be really good defensively, calling a game, and, and we can see what he does when he throws. He's throwing ninety two miles an hour, ninety one miles an hour back there getting base runners it's it's you're right it's fun the, the, the young players on this team right now are really fun yeah I, I i wish his k rate wasn't at like 45 percent uh and i don't yeah. think i don't think he can make contact on fastballs above 95 miles an hour it's like the opposite of carlos ruiz um but yeah it's all there it's he's his, his approach has been better he's been trying to go the other way a lot more recently which i found uh pretty interesting um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm in a holding pattern on his offensive game, but his defense is just a reason to tune in on a night in and night out basis. If he hits 250 and can have 15 home runs and drive in RBIs, you, you're fine with it because the defense yep. is going to be good. Yep. But I, I've I've always thought that with catchers, if a guy can call a game as good defensively, he can bat 220. If he gives you 10 home runs, he can drive in 60 RBIs. I'll take that guy every day of the week. Hopefully, Alfaro can be that guy. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, my man. And tonight, Vince Velasquez versus Brock Stewart, an eight o'clock start. So you maybe I'll stay up for most of it. We'll see. Well, I'm driving home tonight, Monday. Okay. So we're leaving here. Uh, we're leaving here probably at seven o'clock. So I'll be listening on the way home, and I'll catch the rest when I get home. <laughs> well, sounds good, Johnny. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. And review us. That's oh yeah, the big thing. Of course, we had a uh, some we had a good uh, positive night of reviews. Uh, we're up to I think 50 five star reviews and 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 20 actual reviews, five star ratings, 20 reviews. So uh, keep getting them in. Help us grow this thing. Uh, it's a bunch of fun to do these episodes. And as this as this team goes on and and as they inch toward uh, the, a, a a possible playoff berth, uh, our podcast is only going to become more fun. So yeah, definitely rate us, review us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Fred.